Uh, this is KaiserCast episode 27. Today we have a unique guest on, someone that's not necessarily in, in the coding industry, but it, it ties very well with what we do. It's Andrea McKay with Flatiron Window Well Covers. We connected with her uh, kind of through social media. She actually reached out to us and said that she likes some of the posts that we make, um, in particular a certain blog post, and that uh, she shares that with her customers because she sells window well covers that are coded, and um, she likes to educate her customers on, like, this is how long the coding's going to last. These are some things that could come up. Um, here's colors that I recommend that will last a long time. So that was interesting. So we're going to um, talk to her and just basically get to know her. Um, small, she's a small business owner, and so we probably have quite a few similarities. And I'm looking forward to talking to her. Uh, before we get to that, uh, Chloe has been doing a lot of interviewing. We do that year-round, essentially. Uh, but there's we kind of have a process that we go through. We post a ad and then um we get applications usually there's a couple questions that they answer so we can sift through that right away and figure out if someone's way off from a good fit or not and then from the ones that we think kind of match then we do a phone screen and if that goes well then i'll end up chloe does the phone screen and then if that goes well i end up doing the in-person interview um but there are some things that are frustrating in the process that probably don't need to be frustrating. So we were going to talk about that stuff. Yeah, I just, I think it's so interesting to be on the other side of the interviewing process for the, probably the first time in my life. Um, Cause I've always been so self-conscious, I guess, about like whether I'm rambling when I'm in interviews and am I telling them what they're asking me to tell them? And it's, it's hard to tell when you're in front of a stranger and especially if it's on the phone, like there's no cues whatsoever. You don't know how you're doing. Um, and what I have discovered in interviewing people over the phone is that the percentage of people who ramble on beside the point is actually much smaller than the percentage of people for whom it's like pulling teeth. To get an answer. Yes. Like so much of the time, if I'm like, for instance, what, you know, did you play any sports in high school? The answer is like, yes. And then I have to be like, okay, which ones? Right? Like, it's like getting an inch with every question. Um, and so I guess my point in bringing this up is if you have interview anxiety, which I think is a very common thing that I also have that most people probably have, I think if you're going to err on one side or another, err on the side of giving more of yourself right away. Like, you know, if they're asking you a question, it's because they don't know you. They need to get to know you. So, so give them salient facts right around the question that they asked yeah i agree it's all because you're really an interview and i never really did i can't really remember that i ever did a job interview actually because i just always worked for mom and dad and then just naturally went into the business i, I think i may have done like obviously in school you do some mock stuff and there may have been some kind of interview-like processes for college and things, but um, being the one that's asking the questions, I'd rather the person just elaborate, like you just said, and you know whether they think that the information is relevant or not. I'd rather them just say it, you know. I, 
uh, right? Be because it just helps you, like you said, you really need, just need to get to know the person to even make a decision like, do we think they're going to be a good fit or not? Like on the one hand, it's like, are they going to meet some quote unquote requirements or like things that we need them to do? Are they qualified or do they have experience? But most of the time, at least by the time they've gotten to me and they're doing an in-person interview, all those boxes are checked. We wouldn't have brought them in for an in-person if we didn't think that their previous experience was applicable for what we were going to ask them to do. So at right. the point that I'm talking to them, I just want to know what their experiences have been, whether they think they're relevant or not, because that helps me figure out like what I th think they would be best at. Cause I can try to, I can make some inferences based on like, well, they'd had a lot of experience doing working on a construction crew doing carpentry or something. And, even though that sounds way different than blasting and coding environment, I can say, I can be like, well, I can ask some questions about what they did and the skills that they use and the tools they use. And in my mind, I can try to kind of match that up with something that would be good at Kaiser or where I think that it would be good to, to start them on their first couple of weeks to help them get comfortable. So, it's a new environment and it's new people and it's a new kind of industry, but they'd be using similar, um, doing somewhat of a similar task to what they were doing before where they're using the same skills, I guess you could say, so they can get comfortable quicker instead of like being a fish out of water and not knowing what's going on. And then them deciding it's a bad fit and quitting or us deciding it's a bad fit and, just because like I didn't know enough about them to help kind of put them in the right spot. And then also at an in-person interview, if I can't make that connection and they and they actually do tell me about their experiences and I just think like, well, this isn't going to match up or I start explaining like what we do and here's what you're going to have to do. And the best ones will um, be like, yeah, I can't do that or I don't want to do that. And then that, that's fine. And it's like, okay. And we usually just kind of end the interview and like, well, this probably isn't going to be a good fit then. But I would much rather than be honest instead of in the back of their mind thinking like, well, that type of task sounds really boring and I would hate doing that. Then come out and say that because why go through it all and me offer you the job and then I'm going to have you doing, I just explained to you what you're going to be doing and what your job role is going to be for the first six months, let's say, and you're thinking, I don't want to do that. This is going to be terrible. Then it's like, what's the point of even doing it? Like, what, what are we doing here? You know, I feel like people kind of hold that information close because they just want to get the job, even though like right away, they're like, I don't think I'm going to like this job. It's very odd. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like a first date. Like if it's not, gonna be a good fit you'd rather know sooner yeah because otherwise this is kind of a waste of debt you know yeah. it's a waste of both of our times because like they could be going to start at a different job that they would actually right. like and stay at you know and we can move on to the next person that may actually be interested in the tasks that we're needing to get done exactly i also um 
it's obvious to us what we're looking for, but it's obvious, it's not obvious to the candidate what we're looking for. And so they don't know that like we get excited when we hear that they're doing a car restoration project on the side or whatever, like things that, that you as a candidate might feel like are not super relevant are actually incredibly relevant and we want to know about them. So, so share that and like do so freely. Um, I really like to hear about you and your hobbies and your interests because because there might be something that makes me think like, wow, like they might really actually enjoy their time here. Yeah. And I agree because in the hard part is like, so we need them to give us all that information so we can try to evaluate, is this going to be a good fit? And, you know, I'd like them to be able to evaluate if it's going to be a good fit, but if they've never been in the industry and I'm describing all these tasks, they really don't even know what I'm talking about. So it's really hard for them to even decipher like would I be interested in doing that or would I not like I have no idea I don't even know the, the lingo that you're telling me Jace you know so that's why it's important to and I think it's in any interview situation for any job it's important for the applicant to just you know you're not doing something bad or you're not being off-putting by just explaining previous experience or interests or even if you don't think it's relevant because it's all relevant yes if you think that your previous experience and interests are going to keep you from getting the job then you probably don't want that job anyway it's probably not a good fit then if you truly are like i know for a fact they're not gonna be interested in this and it's gonna make them skip over me then it's then eventually it's not going to work out probably if there's that big of like a gap right at the beginning. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's in everyone's best interest to really just be upfront. So that was meant to be encouraging. I hope that that it came that way, but like, I want people to know that if I'm interviewing you, I want to know who you are and every, all of that matters to me. So so feel free. So now let's get to the uh, phone call with Andrea. Uh, like I said in the opening, she's the owner of Flatiron Window Well Covers uh, based out of Erie, Colorado, which is outside Denver. Um, so she sells window well covers throughout most of Colorado, um, whether they're either a custom cover, so like she'll come out to your property, uh, measure it, and because it's like some custom window well that you have and then they'll get it fabricated get it coated and then they'll come install it or very commonly a lot of people have the same type of window wells um, and she'll kind of explain that there's a, a lot of different types and a lot of different manufacturers but kind of that corrugated um, galvanized steel that sits down in mostly underground in the ground the dirt's around it and it's that's your window well essentially you know it's hold goes right up to your window and that's why there's space to crawl out of the window if it's one that has egress um, and so that she stocks a ton of different sizes and like pre-made window well covers so you just have to call or send her an email like here's my sizing and if it's a standard stock size she'll have the cover on the shelf and can bring it out and get it installed and again that's in the Colorado area, so around Chloe. And um, 
So we'll bring her in here and talk to her for a little bit. Great. So I figured um, we would love to start with just how in the world you even found us. We were so pleasantly surprised to hear from you. Well, actually, um, pretty much everything that I have, any business policy I have has come from, well, a mistake that was made somewhere along the way. And um, I was having people um, argue with me or disagree with me about, you know, how to protect steel outside. And I believe wholeheartedly that the powder coating is the best way to do that. But I also believed it needed to be done correctly. And with the products that I do, I mean, you can, you can prime them, but the, but the product, it takes the price point out of customer's affordability. So what I was doing was explaining to people, you know, Hey, use this color. It will age the best because of this I couldn't, I didn't know the words for it. So I just started Googling, um, you know, rust colored water on steel outside on powder coat. And I ended up at your blog and I now send the link to every single person in the contract that I send them and say, you need to review this article and be clear that it's still rust and it still goes outside. <laughs> And it really explains to to a layperson how how the it works how how what we do works. Yeah, that's great. I'm that's glad that so you were funny. able to find that through Google and that you share that with people because it is like r the streaking of rust or like rusty water running across a part, especially if it was like a white coated part sitting outside. Um, customers usually freak out and say, oh, the coating's failing and it's rusting, but it's like, actually, no, just a little bit of water got into an area that we couldn't coat, and then it just pulls a little orange across the surface, and usually you can just wipe it off, and it's fine, but it's really hard to help people understand that. Well, it is. It's hard because they think, I mean, they think that it's foolproof, and, um, you you know, it sticks out like a sore thumb on a dark first surface too. So someone who says, I want a matte black, you know, expanded metal window well cover, the, all of those joints, I mean, you're still going to have the pinhole yeah. spaces that, that don't get coated, even if you prime them. And like, you know, well, you, this is what you do. You know that the more coats you put on, the more expensive the process becomes. And people don't want to spend eight or $900 on a window well cover. Right. And I noticed in pictures, it looks like that you're using copper vein as the color on most mm -hmm. of them, which, and yep. you're doing that to, to avoid the rusting problem. Cause basically a hot, not rusting problem, just the visual rust streaking that can happen with water. Cause that color right, hides exactly. it really, really well. It does. It, it, what, what I basically say is the color I recommend. And I even stopped in my original proposal saying, here's the color chart, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and then advising which ones, you know, how to determine whether they're exterior or interior rated. Um, I, I just say this is the most common color and I wait for them to come back and ask me because it really does. What I tell them is it, is it happens with all colors. It's just more obvious with some and this color camouflages yeah, that I, phenomenon a little bit. I agree because we, uh, especially when we first started powder coating, we were doing a lot of lawn furniture and um, other like lawn ornaments and stuff because we were small. So we were just working with. Um, people that were just fixing up stuff around their house. 
and that color we ended up recommending that color the most and it got really popular for that exact reason that like it weathers really really well because once the coating does start to break down or if there's an area that you just can't get powder in um then that if rust starts happening or that rust streaking problem happens copper vein definitely it's essentially the same color as rust so you don't have that immediate freak out or the customer doesn't that oh my gosh then now it looks terrible well i i ended up i got i had a guy that wouldn't wouldn't pay to prime them insisted on doing like uh i would say it was a cardinal um light gray the um and you know six months later he's sending me pictures complaining i rebuilt it yeah. <laughs> I rebuilt it and said I'm doing it once yeah. because I mean it's honestly it's cheaper for me to rebuild um, and recoat than to sandblast and recoat. I mean it's just it's it's that material is worthless to me um, once it's coated. Uh, so I rebuilt it and I coated it and I told him this is it. I already and then that's when I added it to my contract and include started. That's really this one guy and he was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> he was pretty uh, adamant that I hadn't done my job right. So I wanted to make sure that I do my job right and make sure that people have all of the information that they need up front. Yeah. And that's the same thing that we deal with on a variety of different projects. I'm glad that you made the point that uh, it's cheaper to just remake and recoat than it is to blast off powder coating and then powder coat again, because that happens from time to time with certain things. Um, whether it's just like, usually it's a customer that wants to redo something like maybe a old rack or something like that where I'm like, well, we could blast and powder coat it and here's the price. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I could go buy brand new for that price. I'm like, yeah, you could because it takes forever to blast off powder coating off of something. So you would be better off to just go buy it new. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, the the blast. And I've even worked with a couple of different, we have um, a company out of Boulder that's like eco-cycling um, blasting. And they use, it comes not just with sand, but they use like ceramic and glass. And and that just, that that does come off easier, but it just destroys the steel. Yep. So it's, you know, you it makes zero sense to take $150, you know, table and chair set from outside and and by the time you sandblast it and recoat it i mean i mean put a couple bottles of spray paint on it make it last as long as you can yeah so i'm curious when you're having these conversations with customers are you talking to like the end customer like the homeowner or are you talking to contractors like who are you having to convince about this homeowners so um just a little bit of background is um in 2016 um, my brother is a builder up in Fort Collins and he was selling window well covers from some of the well manufacturers on the side. I was like, I want to do that in my neighborhood. And, um, so I got the contact information and at first he said, you know, you know, go through me. Well, by the time I started stomping around you, if you're in Denver, you know how much new construction we have. Um, I started just going out to these construction sites and looking at the wells. And so I definitely in the, and I'm usually always dealing with the end user for the most part. And then when people, so I was just buying in, you know, pre-made grapes from the well manufacturers and um, then basically reselling them. And my husband thought I had lost my mind. And I said, well, no, I'm going to buy a pallet of these and I'm going to put it out there on social media and I'm going to sell them. 
and um, he thought I was crazy. Then he said, we have a two-car garage, and you need a place to put these things. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, so we went and found a, a buddy of his that has a storage yard and said, my wife has this idea. She wants to sell these things. Um, but when I started putting it out there and, you know, marketing on social media, it took off. There's not a lot of people who do what I do. And then my, when, no. as my phone was ringing, I kept having to figure stuff out like, okay, well, yeah, you don't have this particular brand of window well covers. So I don't deal with any other window well manufacturers. So I was dealing specifically with only Bowman Kemp. And I said, you know, I don't deal with this other well manufacturer. Well, I had a guy that lives four streets over from me actually call me back after about three weeks and said, I can't find covers for these wells. And I've got three small kids and we just moved in. I need your help. So I just got on the phone and convinced this next company that they needed to wholesale to me. And then, you know, the next person called and they said, well, we just poured a patio around our deck and I needed to figure out how to find a welder. And I had the same welder that I've had with me since, you know, 2017 is really when I started getting into the custom stuff. And I've, I've had the same man. He's a phenomenal talent with, and I, who would have ever thought you would call welding talent, right? But um, he's phenomenal. And he's all, he's been with me since then. And he started by, you know, I would just subcontract him and he was building him in his garage. And now we've got a shop um, where he builds all of our custom stuff. But I still, I still stock five to 600 pre-made, pre-coded grapes that are, that I buy in and, and resell. So what were you doing so, before this? Like, did you have a day job and it just hit you one day that you wanted to get into this? Like, what was your background before this? So um, I was I worked um, in corporate America for a lot of years and um, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and then I continued to work. You know, I was managing the disease pretty well and I had a massive um, exacerbation attack in 2011 and I lost my sight. Um I didn't drive for almost a year. I couldn't walk straight. My eyes were googly and it was just, it was a, it was an MS attack at my brainstem. And so when I started to get better, I mean, I was, I was working at a bank dealing with um, car dealerships that my background was car dealerships. And then I moved to the lending side and I hated what I did, but I felt like I was stuck. I was kind of married to the money. Um, We had a kid, you know, we had a, we had a small child and we just, we, when I started to get better and I didn't want to go back to that life, the stress is really bad for multiple sclerosis. I, we decided, um, you know, I needed to recover and we downsized everything, <laughs> moved to a small town and, um, bought a retirement house in our thirties. And then as I got healthier over like a seven year process, um, I got healthier and needed to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up. I didn't really know. <laughs> But I thought this would make us some extra money for some spending money in Mexico because we don't we've been a one income family for years by now. So um, I was just no. going to sell a pallet. Um, so, but the, the the blessing in in all of that is I have this business. But also, um, when this happened, our daughter was ten in second grade. You're thinking ten in second grade, um, and I was doing this job that I was working. 55, 60 hours a week. I hated it. I was not a happy person. And um, yeah, so I've been at home with her and she left for college in January and she's out in California learning to fly planes. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. So what does your husband do? 
Um, he works for a chemical manufacturer, and he services hotels and restaurants for all of their chemical needs. So actually 2020, between people having time, money, and needing to cover their window wells and people needing disinfectants, we weren't the typical pandemic people. We, were pe- we, we, we worked a lot a lot as essential people in 2020, getting, you know, disinfectants out to all the hotels and restaurants so that they could try to maintain their business. And, you know, people were working from home and trying to stuff their kids outside to play with big old holes in the yard. So we worked out a touchless way to do business and, and, and covered a lot of window wells in 2020. Oh, that's great. So it's, it's you and I mean, does he help you with your side of the business or is it like all yours? It's your baby. So Devin is Devin works with me on the weekends. He helps me with some of the yard work that's a little bit more hard, harder for me. But he works with me on Saturdays. And uh, but what the biggest thing was is um, Rowan, our daughter, was um, my delivery person. So she did all of the deliveries in 2020. So we, we, losing her was a big um, big blow. <laughs> you know, our, our family higher education is more important than the family business. But but losing her to, to school was uh, was was a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Wow. So I do the deliveries during the week, and then Devin helps on the weekends. And uh, I also help with the you know inventory management of his. We just between the two of us, we figure out how to run both little businesses because his being that he works from home and he's kind of on a, a, like he's almost a subcontractor for this company as well. So okay. And um, you were mentioning before we started recording, just like the building boom that's happening in and around Denver and has been for years. Can you talk a little bit about that and the impact that that has had on your business? So, I mean, I got in at exactly the right time, I would say, just because people are Googling and they're looking for, you know, for help with this. And because I have gotten the knowledge as I've got come along, I do have, um, you know, a, a wide base. I also live in a small town where the where the women, women-owned businesses are very passionate to support each other. So I, I the networking, and that was one of the hardest things is to put myself out there and, and network, you know go out and meet people, go to a cocktail party where you've never met somebody before just to say, hi, I'm starting a business and this is what I want to do. Um, but the, you know, it's starting to change. There are things that are happening in Colorado. You know, we had the Marshall fires, um, at the end of 2021. So December 30th of last year. And, um, now they're coming back and it's really becoming the building code, the international residential code, the updates coming out and municipalities are, starting to adopt that residential code. And of course, that's the code that covers egress. It covers the roofing. It covers your hand. It covers everything. But there is a specific section to egress and then allowable window well covers and what the codes need to be and and so forth. And and municipalities are starting to adopt that. But also what's happening in Colorado is a lot of municipalities are starting to say that window well covers are part of the building code. So that's going to be my challenge in the next year because I actually know that my my municipality, Erie, is going to be looking to add those because they, a lot of the towns um, are starting to add, you know, you must have a panel, an electrical panel that will support an elect, uh, electric vehicle charging station. So they're requiring some of these, you know, more green, more safety, more more requirements. So, but some of the people who are rebuilding from the Marshall Fire, a lot of these requirements are, you know, they're impacting the pricing of the homes. 
to the point where if you are having to upgrade your electrical system to support an EV vehicle. So the town of Superior requires, you know, that all of these codes, but they were, these people can't, can't replace those codes. So that all of these codes are changing and I'm watching it happen in different municipalities. So my challenge is going to be to learn how to, you know, work with the builders, still make money and do the window well covers for them because I'm losing, I'm, you know, if, in 2023, every house that goes up in Erie already has window well covers. Now I'm losing that market. So it's it's always like you guys with, um, you know, coding and, and the technology that changes with your products. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. Being a small business owner isn't for the faint of heart. Yeah. So for the most part, you you sell window well covers to houses that already exist and they just want to get them covered. And now you're saying that mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have to get in on the front end and mainly be actually dealing with builders because you're going to sell to them to for the new house essentially not to right. the homeowner okay that makes sense yeah so they won't get a so they won't get a certificate of occupancy until the window walls are covered but that's okay. it's going to create it's going to create challenges like there's things that i know that happens when you're talking about window well covers that maybe a town council member hasn't thought of yet and, you know, we want to make sure that if we're going to, I want to make sure that if they're going to require them, that it's done in a manner that is beneficial to the homeowner because it won't come free to the new homeowner. Right. Um, but there's still, I mean, the number of window wells that are on the Colorado front range um, in the ground without covers on them is remarkable um, because it's, I mean, it's not a sexy home improvement, right? You're not saying here, look at my brand new can. I think it's a, it's I think it is a safety issue though, isn't it? I think it is because it's coated metal, and I think all coated metal is <laughs> cool. But I don't think many people. Hey, well, I can tell you if you've been on my website and you saw some of the custom work that Alejandro does, I think they're beautiful. Like there are things when Alejandro will go deliver custom work and sell, send me photos, and I'll go, I'll walk up with my phone, I'll walk up to my husband and say, "Oh my gosh, look at this!" And Kevin's like, "Yep." It's a window wall cover. <laughs> Some of the things that we, I mean, one of the ones he's done is like, you know, 10 feet by 11 and a half feet in an arc position because some custom homeowner wanted their generator and their air conditioners in a pit rather than sitting next to their house. And then we had to cover it. And I mean, they are, I think, I agree with you, Jace. I think they're pretty. Yeah. Wow. They are pretty. Okay. So I'm curious. On track. For- um, for someone who doesn't actually own like a home, I live in a condo, so this is not something that I think about, but like, what is their purpose is to keep kids from falling in? Like, is that the goal here? Um, yeah, I mean, kids, um, adults with cocktails, um, even wildlife. I mean, one of the ones that I went to cover yesterday, they called me because the wife went down to, to the basement to work out and there was a dead bunny in her window well. And she freaked out. Um, oh. And so, you I mean, frog, the frogs will fall in, and dogs. I mean, the I've got pictures. Um, we had a mountain lion up in um, Firestone. About, it was, the picture's about 10 years old. But they had to tranquilize a, a cub, a, a mountain lion, and uh, get him out of a window well. Um, the Colorado Department of Wildlife actually tweeted last year a story about a moose that fell in a well got freaked out, broke the window and ended up in the basement of the house. Um, oh my God. I actually, I actually shared that tweet on my um, Facebook page because I thought, because they 
Colorado Department of Wildlife was saying, make sure you cover these. That <laughs> um, wow. you know, there's the things that can happen. I mean, I felt oh, since we had originally scheduled this, I can tell you, I went to go install a window well cover on a Sunday morning, um, and I was kind of wrestling with the corner of it with like, you know, the rocks in the corner, I was getting it put on there properly and I didn't have it on there and I put weight on it and I went in head first to a five foot well. The grate came in on top of me. Um, So this was about three weeks ago. I have a a couple decent scars on my face. I had to go to the emergency room. I had a concussion. It was, um, it was quite an event. It was a mild concussion only enough to make me, you know, not feel great. But, um, but yeah, I and it was a it was a non-egress well, so it was five feet deep. There wasn't a ladder because nobody would need to get out of it, and nobody could hear me yelling for help. So I finally positioned the grate where I could kind of leverage myself out, and then I went and knocked on the homeowner's door, and nobody came. So I just let myself in, and I I would have been freaked out if somebody walked into my house as bloody as I was. Oh my goodness! How long were you down there? Um. You know, adrenaline really, well, adrenaline, it kicked in. I was probably only down, I would say I was probably only down there five minutes. But um, by the time I got out, I was, I mean, I was, I was bleeding. I was, I have a, I have a little scar on the top of my head, kind of a Harry Potter scar. And, um, but no, I was lucky. It was a big reminder that they're, they are as dangerous as I tout. And no matter how sure-footed I think I am, that it's still, they're to be revered when you're on properties. Absolutely. So are there laws kind of governing like how much weight they're supposed to be able to bear? Because if we're talking about a moose, like that's a pretty heavy animal, right? Like how do you, what are the rules around how you make these? So the, and I can't substantiate it. I've never found it actually written in the code, but the general rule of thumb is I've dealt with different multiple window well manufacturers is we want them to support 40 pounds per square foot of surface area. So on a large one, let's, let's say a 56 inch great, 56 inch well by 36 inches deep. I mean, that's roughly 400 pounds. Um, and that's the minimum, but the smaller ones, as they get smaller with less square footage, that's less, and they get, they're still strong because they're smaller. There's, there's not a weakened area, a big area. Um, but I have, I have some pretty amusing pictures of, um, of customers standing on them. I always, when I, when I'm covering one for a new puppy, I always hold the puppy and stand on a grate and take a picture of it. Um, so yeah, they'll support, they'll support a, a couple humans or a very large one. But the moose was uncovered. The one that the moose fell in was uncovered. When you go to, uh, like someone calls and says, hey, I want to get my window well covered. Um, I'm sure you're kind of in a similar situation that we deal with when a customer calls and says they need something blasted and coated. Um, We always have to ask a ton of questions to make sure we know what they're asking for and give them the right information. And for us, like give them the right quote. For you, it's probably to give them the right size window well cover so like how do you go about doing that do you ask them to send you a picture do you have to go out and look at each one of these so you know like which brand it is and which one you need to sell or if you have to make a custom one or what's kind of your process on that so um i can drill down pretty easily um who what kind of well they have um i typically have so what i what i tell 
customers is, you know, because of what my husband does for a living, he can stop at almost any property in Denver at some point in a two weeks time frame because he services Castle Rock to Greeley and up to Cheyenne. So just just so that you know, I mean, that's, and then he goes as far west as Silverthorne um, and as far east as Brighton. So that's, I mean, we're talking about literally the entire Colorado front range from Colorado Springs north to Wyoming to Cheyenne and then out from the, from the front range. So he's covering a lot of space. And so for dealing with somebody more remote, um, I always say, you know, send me pictures. We try to avoid going to properties if we can with the idea that we're small. And if we can get the homeowner to do a little bit of the recon on the property, like kind of like what you're saying, send us pictures, send us details. What are you looking for? If they can send those to us, then um, we can get them an accurate quote and making one trip as opposed to two trips to a property does allow us to keep our overhead down. Yeah. So if you were to call, right. I mean, you just, if you, like I had a lady today, she's like, I have no idea what these are. I'm like, here, snap a picture and send them to me. So I, I, she sent me a picture. So the first thing I ask is how new the construction is. There's multiple window well manufacturers who've been used in the Colorado front range. And if I determine that that's pretty new construction, I almost always know exactly who made the well. If it's metal. Um, if they're like, no, it's older construction, I ask questions. I mean, the ribbing on the side of the well, the way that the top of the well is finished, whether it's got a pinched edge, whether it's got a rolled edge, whether the edge is rolled out, whether the roll, edge is rolled in, um, I, I can ask these questions and I can usually drill down right to what they have. Um, but I can, I always ask for pictures if I, if I have doubts. Um, we have about 26 different sizes in stock from two different well manufacturers. Um, so sometimes like yesterday I, I knew I needed to go about 25 miles and the guy said, Oh yeah, it's 57 and a half inches. Well, that could be a 56 inch well that he's measuring a little wide. It could be a 58 inch well. So, um, I took both. I took 56s and 58s just to get have the right one with me but that still made more sense to me than going out there twice yeah definitely how did you educate yourself on all of this stuff if you didn't have a construction background already um one property at a time i i I get, I just asked a lot of questions. I did a lot of research. I actually spent a lot of time wandering around on properties, the, uh, neighborhoods that were being built with a tape measure. Um, I did bump myself into some very cool people along the way and they were happy to help. I mean, if, who doesn't want to help somebody who's eager to learn more and get an education and is trying to better themselves. So I did, I met some very cool people on my journey and you just had to put yourself out there like and ask questions. And I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm very tenacious. So are you able to get the, uh, when do you get the covers from the manufacturers, the ones that are stock and they come coded yeah. to you or do they mm -hmm. come raw to mm -hmm. you and then you have to get them? No, coded they come coded. Okay. I have ordered some raw. I mean, the color um, that Bowman Kemp uses is um, a copper vein color. It's um, not the same as a cardinal copper vein. It's a little bit different. Okay. Um, it's a little bit 
thinner of a material than if I send something to my coating shop. Um, but they're gorgeous. They're, you get them in expanded metal. Um, that's uh, number nine um, inch and a half, non-flattened. Um, but I have also ordered them in raw. I say, pay the same price as if they were already coated. But we've, I've had a couple of custom homes who who are like, no, they absolutely must be black. And the cool thing about those is all of the welds are underneath in under angle iron. So they not only don't get wet, but they're not visible. Okay. So I don't have any rusty streaking issues on those. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and that, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the easy business. That's the, I'm not, you know, that's, that's the asking a lot of questions when it's a custom piece that I'm going to have Alejandro build. I take the order, send the contracts, put them on the calendar. And then Alejandro goes and templates them, builds them, coats them and, and sends them back. So we're, our lead time is just depends on how many jobs we have in the calendar. But when it's standard stuff, sometimes we're faster than Amazon prime. Wow. That's good. That is a, that's a quote to put in a, a social media post that you're faster than Amazon Prime. <laughs> That's impressive. Well, I'll be in trouble if I don't credit the appropriate source, and that would be the Devin husband. <laughs> it was his Devin funny joke. Here. That's great. Yeah. So have you found um, someone to replace the Rowan with deliveries, or are you going to do those yourself going forward? We're going to do them ourselves. Um, the vehicles that we use, you know, they're insured as, business vehicles but they're in mine and Devin's name so um when I start if I start expanding somebody to go onto properties and drive our vehicles the, my liability changes a lot um so by the time I change the by the time I make all of the adjustments in my business model to allow for somebody else um it doesn't make a lot of sense and a lot of it is because no property is ever the same and Rowan started riding around with me when she was 13 all summer long. So she's honestly, besides me, the next best qualified person to discuss window well covers. I was in, telling her today, I'm like, hey, if the flight thing doesn't work out, you can come open another market of our, of our family business. Um, because she, you just have to know. You just, they're not all installed correctly or they're installed a little wonky or you need to deal with something on the fly at a, at a home, it, there's no property is the same. It, it sounds like the easiest job in the world until you go onto properties and find out that nothing is uniform. No, I a hundred percent understand what you're saying. I mean, it's uh, even though it's like a di little bit different than what we do, it's a lot of the same um, issues that we come up with. Like everything's different. And especially when you're running a small business, like everything comes back to you. And you have to make sure that you're dotting all your I's and crossing all your T's and making sure that you're not having to redo things or do things multiple times. Or like you were saying, we don't need to drive out to the same place four times to make sure we get the right cover. We need to figure out how to just drive out there once and be done. So that way we can mm -hmm. be profitable and continue to grow. So everything that you have said, that's like exactly the way I think about doing things and how to to put out a really good quality product and know what we're doing, but do it in the most efficient possible way that we can. Right. Right. And you're probably like me, like the, those Google reviews, my blood sweat in, in some cases, tears went into earning those 
you know, to get to get to a place where you have good a good standing on the internet with consumers. And I don't know that I am prepared to trust my baby to somebody who doesn't have skin in the game. Like my daughter has skin in the game. My husband has skin in the game. Even my sister, who's trying to you know service Eagle Valley, so that would be outside Vail. that's where she lives and she's wanting to service up there and she's doing a great job getting it going. We just don't have a welder up there. So it's a little bit challenging, but we're, we're working through that. Um, she is, my sister is a juvenile probation officer for um, the state and they live in Eagle and that's where they raised their family. And now her kids are heading off to college as well. So she's like, okay, well now I've got extra time. How about I sell some window well covers? Um, and there's literally nothing up there. So we're going to really, you know, in the next you know, few years as her youngest heads off to school, get, get them going too. Cool. But family, you can trust the family yep. skin in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how did you come up with uh, the name of your company, which is by the way, flat iron window well covers. So um, we have, we are about 10 miles due east of Boulder. And we love to hike. And Chautauqua Park in Boulder is one of our favorite places to hike the Flatirons. And so it's actually not a reference to the actual metal. It's a reference to the mountains that I live close to. I love that it means both, right? That's cool. It is kind of, yeah, it is kind of cool. It, I, it, it didn't, it, it truly, I never thought of it that way until after I was slinging steel all over the place, I was like, hey, that is kind of a kind of a cool play on words, but it was never really intended to be that. That's amazing. Um, so I want to go back to something you said early on. You talked about getting on social media and growing your business that way. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your strategy for that? We're curious because we're also very interested in social media. So I like Facebook. Um, and what I've been doing is, and I am in a small community, so we have a very active social media community, and um, I would just put out there, hey, I'm a lo-, I would just post and be like, hey, I'm a local business owner, this is what I do, and I mean, I started on like the buy and sell pages, but n- now I do it, and, and what I've started to do to promote even more is kind of what you guys are doing is I come across things that should never happen on a property like the contractors should be ashamed that this happened and I make pictures I take pictures and I draw circles around them and I say never allow a contractor to do this don't do this or if you're having concrete poured around a window well let's discuss it before the pour because if somebody is pouring concrete and they're like oh I'm just gonna get a flush mounted window well cover um, for this when it's all done but the contractor doesn't make sure that the concrete comes up above the well or leaves a lip I won't cut a well down if the concrete's already poured because I don't want to mess with a $40,000 piece of concrete so but we can we can we can make anything happen for a customer before that happens but I made a post about that on our local pages and then I did a small boost on it into some other communities around us and basically said if you're pouring concrete let's address the window well first and I sold three right off that post because people, I had one guy call me and said, my concrete's going to be here in three hours. Can you be here before <laughs> oh then? God. Tell me what to do. Um, wow. 
and I, I did, we were, we were hiking in Boulder. We, we, we drove straight from our hike to our customer's house to look and tell him what needed to happen. And then we got down in the window well and took out the ladder so that the ladder that went over the edges didn't end up with concrete around it. And, um, just to keep educating people, you know, when you say local pages or are you talking like Facebook groups basically that you're mm -hmm. posting in? Yep. Yep. So Erie, Colorado, um, the, then, then there's, you know, there's other ones I'm in, I'm in other ones, but I also do like to do booths. Like, um, starting Monday, I will have a booth that, that comes out and it's, um, it's just a little video of falling leaves and it'll say the leaves are falling. Don't let them fall in your window wells. Reach out today for a free oh. quote and I'll get all the messages. Yeah, that sounds good. So actually I just said, I'm going to have that Monday. I'm going to do that Monday, but I'm not because Rowan is coming home. Um, our, our tradition has always been to go do all of the corn mazes together. And I was feeling sad a couple of weeks ago and told Devin that. And then within 30 hours, Rowan called and said, I cried all the way home from work because I don't get to go to do corn mazes with you. So she's flying in on Monday to go do corn mazes with me. That's oh, great. do you go to the one at Anderson Farms? That's my favorite. Um, actually we've done that one, but the years we've done that, it, it's been so muddy. Our, our favorite oh. is Coal Creek. Ooh, um, okay. because it, Coal Creek, it's out on 287 in Broomfield and, um, it's, uh, like a, it's a drawing. Like you, like last year it was dinosaurs. So you went up to the top of the triceratops and you got a punch in your cards to show that you did that. So you go through and you have to go find all of the little things. And then it draws a whole picture. So if you're using your GPS, by the time you get home back, you've got all the you've got the whole picture done. That's amazing. It's really That's cool. So cool. Yeah. So we'll we'll Tuesday we're gonna go get our faces painted and pick out pumpkins and do the corn mazes. Oh, nobody's ever that. too old to do those things. I agree. <laughs> I agree. So, but so that's the great thing Facebook. about working for myself too, is I can. Right. I'm just, I'm skipping out on work for a few days. I love that. I love that. I'll still um, answer so all the emails and stuff at night. <laughs> yeah. How does that work when you're like out in the field all day? Do you do the administrative and social media stuff at night? Like how do you pace your day? So one of the things that I've done recently is um, I've decided that especially since Rowan's been gone, that the whole working from home thing, it doesn't work for me. Um, so I found a space, um, it's called, it's a, it's a common workspace. Um, it's called gather and it's out, it's less than a mile from my house, but I have a designated desk with a monitor and a keyboard. And I just go and I, and I've got a filing cabinet and I go in and it's an office space for me. So I work next to a lady who does translation in instruction manuals. She's bilingual and she, but she didn't want to work from home either. So I'm just surrounded by a bunch of people who there's, I think we have nine desks and they're all people who come and go who are, you know, whether they're a realtor or whether they're outside sales and they're coming and going. So what I do is I always have Monday in the office. And then um, if I, I put Devin, Devin takes the van. Sometimes we have, we have a little van that's retrofitted so that it's got a rack in it and the grades just slide right in and stand up. And then it'll also pull a trailer that pulls another, that also has a rack in it. Um, so sometimes he's out in the van, but if he's not, I try to do deliveries on Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, and then all day Saturday. 
um, this time of year, I try to get them all done during the week so that we can enjoy our weekends. Cause it's summers can be a little crazy. We work a lot in the summer. Um, so like today we, we went to Morrison to deliver a grate, which is not an, an area I would ordinarily service, but because I knew that we could work it into a, a nice hike that we would ordinarily not go to, then we went ahead and helped the customer out because they needed a window wall cover and they live literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, but we got a great hike out of it at Red Rocks and it was beautiful. So we just try to coordinate. I mean, when JC, you know this too, when you're self-employed, you work all the time. Yeah, definitely. You're never off. I mean, if I'm in Vegas, I'm checking, I need to reply to emails because right. that person's going to find somebody else if they don't find me. Exactly. Um, so, I just try to, and I do the the chemical business work in the mornings first thing, and then I try to answer all the, and then all the emails and phone calls, and then phone calls I try to keep up on during the day if I'm in the field, and then I try to get home by four every afternoon to reply to anything or call anybody back that I didn't the day before that day. So you okay. said you use Facebook. But I think to- use Facebook quite a bit. Do you use any other social media platforms? Um, next door is actually really good. Interesting. I've done, I've, I've had, a, I've had a lot of success with that. Can you tell us a little bit about next door? Cause we don't even, I don't think we're even on there, which it probably would be applicable for us in terms of like, uh, general public with like lawn furniture and stuff that we could blast in powder coat. Right. Right. So you can, you can build a, you can do a business page on next door, just like you do, um, on Facebook. And, um, because it's local to wherever you are, you can always say, Hey, you know, would you get on your next door and leave and, and refer us? And if they tag you, it's just like tagging you in an Instagram post or a Facebook post. You can tag somebody and say, Hey, I had a great experience with them. And they can leave reviews and recommendations the same way they can, um, on Facebook. The difference between next door and Facebook is, Next door is just a conversation. You don't have a page where people like you, when you put something out there, it goes to your neighbors. Okay. Like everybody sees it. Um, so you don't make friends. And you don't. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can make connections, but it's very it's very localized, um, and you can control but how big it gets. But if you have somebody who's maybe not technically in your neighborhood, I use their quotes. Um, you can you know ask please please give us a shout out on next door and it's going to reach their neighbors. Okay. Or if you, you know, put your parents on and you say, Hey, um, we're on next door now. Do you use that? Yes. Well, Hey, would you give us a recommendation? Because their neighbors will see that. And then, you know, and so if you have a decent customer base, then to say, would you do this? And, and people are, it's free. It's, it's almost none of their time. And, um, we all like to hear the sound of our own voices, but we also like to see our name on a post too, a human nature. And people tend to be very supportive. That's great. I've never done a boost on it, but I see a lot of ads on it. So okay. I've thought about that. Maybe spring. Yeah. I feel like I can keep up. Because <laughs> that's the thing. When you do a boost of any kind and you pay for it, you want to be able to, to reap the rewards. The other thing that I really love doing is... Um, 
I get a booth at farmer's markets. I get booths at town fairs. I get booths places so people can, we can, I can talk to people. And that I think, especially in the powder coating area, if you did like a one day town fair or a, you know, a farmer's market once a month where people, people will ask questions when they see. And that's the great thing is they'll come and talk to you. If they say powder coating and they're like, Hey, I have a question about that. You might be able to educate somebody and, but they'll remember you. They'll come back down the road. If it's not so today. You've talked about education quite a bit, and it sounds like you have sort of a multi-pronged approach. On one hand, you've got like social media and you're in-person talking to people. Can you talk a little bit more about what else you do to educate your customers? I, as far as educating people, there's videos um, on my website. Um, Like we do offer, offer locks. Some people want to be able to lock their window wells so that people can only get out, that people can't remove them and get in. Um, statistically, that is not how home invasion is going to happen. I mean, truthfully, uh, law enforcement will tell you that, that 98% of home invasions are crimes of opportunity. And that doesn't involve dropping yourself into a six foot hole and hoping you don't have your, you know, your pits down there, your pit bulls down there ready to get you. Um, but that's, so that's typically not, but some people, that's something that keeps them awake at night. So we do offer locks, um, and I've got videos on, on my website about how to lock um, them. There's a way to lock it so you can't get in, but you're able to still egress out with the lock on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a brace. Um, the, the one side, the footer goes into the uh, ribbing of the window well, and then there's a, a bar, and it's basically that with a point at the end and basically it's a tension rod that I use. It's a 15, 16 wrench. So, I mean, these are big bolts. Okay. Um, I tighten it into and just expand it into the well. And then there's a cable that comes down with a panic release at the bottom. So if you're up, up to, on top pulling on it, you can't, it won't come up because it's, you know, tethered in the base of the well, okay. but you can release that and then still get out. Wow, um, there's idea. also a video of um, a six year old demonstrating how to get out of a window well so that I, when people ask, you know, can can kids get out? I can say, yeah, there's a video of me in a window well with my little neighbor Freya and all my videos are cheesy, but they're effective. And if, if I can laugh at myself and people can laugh with me, that's perfect for me. That's, that's who I am. That's how I roll. Um, but no, they're all a little bit been also, um, we had a local company do a, that does a it's a line of videos that she does she's a realtor and her her brand her her name for this is experience eerie and she features small businesses and basically does what you're doing but she does the video that goes along with it and she did one of of our family's business um and i repeatedly post that it's adorable um you know they came out to our yard and videoed us opening pallets of grapes and Um, hauling things around and kind of the family working as a team. And then we went on to some of the properties to show, you know, how they work, why they do. And it was, it's like a three minute video that she did. She did it at no charge to me. And I just keep reposting it because it's fantastic. (laughs) But a video, a video that walks through your shop, because I go through our power coding shop regularly, but a, a video that shows, you know, as far as educating to get a videographer out there and walk them through and say, you know, when we get a, you know, something from a customer this is what happens and take them through the ovens and, and show them the hooks that, 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 and the pulleys and the line as it, as it goes through the process 
um, that'd be super cool. When you say powder, your powder coating shop, do you guys uh, actually powder coat stuff or do you outsource that to somebody? I outsource it. Okay. I have a guy who does a great job for me. Um, and I've got another, I've got, I've got two, two shops. Um, just, Hey, keep, keep, keep everybody a little honest. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I have a, it's another, the shop I primarily use is another small business and he does a fantastic job for, for us. That's great. So when you're thinking about posting on social to try to like, uh, get more sales essentially is your thought always like to be local and localized around your area and the area you serve or do you have thoughts of like like what i i want to expand into like nebraska or other like because i feel like once you get into an area or like let's say a new neighborhood does it kind of all just since it once one person gets it, everybody's kind of seeing like, oh, I want that too. And then it's kind of like the whole area starts contacting you. Um, yeah, I always ask if they have a Facebook page for their neighborhood. Of course, I'm not on those. If they can post a picture of my card. I always ask that. I also have yard signs that if I, it's a neighborhood I want to do more business in, I ask if I can leave a yard sign behind. And if I am doing a house that has um, a neighbor that doesn't have window wall covers, um, I have a door hanger that is, it's, it's cute. It's good looking. It's a good looking piece of material, but also it just has the price there. It says for, for us to bring this grade out, like your neighbors have to you, it's this price plus tax. And um, it's, I, I, that actually does a good job for us. Yeah, it's like, and sometimes great... when Devin has a, Great call to action. That's, that's like a great call to action. Just hanging on the door. Because it's, like it's all right there. So if they want to do it, they'll do it. And if they don't, they don't. It's not like it takes all the friction out. When you have like, here's what it is and here's the price. That's a really good idea. Well, right. Because they don't, I mean, if it's out of their budget, they don't even need to call you. That, I'm, right. I'm, honestly, that's a win-win for everybody, right? Like, yeah. don't, if you can't, if the, this is the product, it is what it is. They don't have to waste their energy calling you to find out are that you, they can't afford it. Are you able to, like, if I wanted a cover for buy a window well, like, do you, it's, so some, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I send a picture, email picture to you, and you're like, yep, I know which one that is. Do you ship them out to people that are far away like that and never go to their residence at all? I've been trying to work that out. Um, the freight, especially with gas prices right now for one of these, is um, more than what the great a cost lot. probably sometimes it is and because it's awkward like even the packing material is super awkward so i don't i'm not shipping i have priced it but what i do is i will even i had a person who was in michigan call me and he said this window well is installed wide it's this i need this i need this i need this and i i said here you need to call your distributor tell them you need a bowman kemp this tell them you need to be this 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 and when they tell you it doesn't exist Tell them it does <laughs> because they won't have ever heard of it. Um, and part of the reason I know that is that one of the things I did that was beyond insane, according to my husband, um, was I was like, you know what? I want, I, I got on a plane and I, call, I called Bowman Kemp and I said, I want to come visit your facility. I got on a plane and I flew out to Utah and I watched them make window wells. I watched how they make the window well grates. And 
I actually, while I was there, talked with them and told them my business model. I'm truly one of the only customer facing people they have. Most of what they do is, is to, you know, building suppliers. So while I was there, they were saying, well, we were thinking about doing this, well, we were thinking about doing this. And I, I was excited because I was able to say, I've got, I'm on properties all day long dealing with these things. Let me take you out to your yard and show you a few things that I've learned about your product. And it ins- they changed things based on that meeting. I was couldn't believe it. Wow. Um, but basically, they were doing their expanded metal. Um, they were doing three-quarter inch flattened expanded metal. And they were doing it side to side, which after it was coated, it was tinning a little bit, you know. So it was arcing up at the middle. So it would kind of yeah. spring back on you. Yep. And I said, no, because then they were saying, well, we want to start flattening our own metal. So this is where we want to start flattening our own metal, but that what we would need would be so big because of, we, you know, we have up to 82 inch grates. And I said, why wouldn't you do it so that you do up to, you do a 40 inch press, an expander, and then run them through sideways. And they said, oh, because we think that's ugly. I said, well, but when you change the diamonds and you go perpendicular to the house, they're stronger. He said, really? I said, yep. Wow. And I took them outside and I showed it to them. And now they build them that way. Wow. That's great. It was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. They I need clearly to love what I payroll. <laughs> <laughs> they can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> so the, so the guy, so you mentioned ahead. a guy in Michigan. Did he just find you through social media then, do you think? He found me through Google searches. Wow. I've got one. And, and then if somebody's calling me and they, so here's an, another thing, you know, working with a lot of metal, metal fabricators, the money for a metal fabricator is in the railings and it's in the, it's in the bigger jobs, right? They don't, they don't want to build a window well cover. There's not, right. by the time you make money on it, there's, you're charging something nobody will pay. Right. But, and so they don't advertise it. So what I will do is if I, I, I will not let a phone call or an email go unreplied to. If I know I can't help them with my business, I at least give them an education on how they can get what they need there. And um, so if they need a custom grade, I say you need to find a local fabricator. If I were selling this to you, this is approximately what I would charge. This is the material I would use. This is the finish I would put on it. And like I said, if this is approximately what I would charge you. And I always bump it so that, they're not surprised yeah. because custom work is expensive, but that go into a fabricator saying, okay, this is exactly what I need. And in their mind, they know about what they should be paying for it. And that, that's just how, that's just who I am is I want to support, I want to answer people's questions. And at the end of it, when they're like, oh my gosh, you've been so helpful and you can't even sell me anything. I will say, will you get on Google and leave me a review? Yeah. And they do. So that's the other thing. Don't oh. be afraid to ask for reviews. Yeah, that's smart, actually. Um, that's so interesting. So I know you had mentioned when we emailed a little bit that you had a lot of interesting cautionary tales to tell us about people's home improvement projects. So I just wanted to pick your brain about that a little bit. If there was anything that stood out, any common mistakes that customers make or things you think they should know. So one of the things I think I mentioned was talking about earlier is addressing a window well before you pour concrete or... Um, but also something that people don't think about is they call a radon mitigation company and the radon mitigation company comes out and they run a big old tube right out of your window well. Um, that creates challenges in covering it down the road. (laughs) Um, it takes you from, Hey, I can get you a standard cover. And 
it's a, it's a very easy for the radon company to run it out the side of the well so that it doesn't affect the top service area of the well. So just considering, I think that's just the thing is considering them. Like I had a customer who poured fifty thousand dollars worth of concrete, and the contractor left a half an inch of the top of the window well out, and he's like, "But I'm putting my grill next to it. I don't. I want it to be flush." And it couldn't be. And this actually was another local contractor, somebody that I do work with a lot. And I called him. I said, you've got to address these first. I said, I won't, I will never say a bad word against you, but at some point the customer's going to know maybe my landscaper should have talked, maybe my contractor should have talked to me about these first. So I always want to reach out to my uh, fellow professionals and give them a heads up. Hey, this is something I'm talking about with people. Um, but That's yeah, you, I have a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I'll just spray paint that. Say, Do the contractors take will, that feedback well usually or are they like resistant to it? Um, they actually take it really well. Um, I'm, and I, 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 I'm pretty good at reading the room. So I will always make sure, you know, I am, I talk to, you know, hey, I, you are like, you come so highly recommended by all. Of, I, I do the pace, pace lead. You know, you're so recommended by all your customers. I'm so glad that I get to come in after you in some cases. I did see this on another property. Can we talk about it? So, or there are some people that I just know that I'm like, hey, do this again. I'm going to tell them you're off your rocker and they should have <laughs> done it first. Um, but you got to read the room and know how to, and that, I mean, really, that's truly, I came from a sales background. So that's all they teach you your whole life in sales is know who your customer is. Yes, absolutely. Wow. So I, um, it's been about an hour of your time. I just wanted to see if you could um, kind of tell us again, like what's the best way for any potential customers listening in your area? What's the best way to get a hold of you um, if they need you? Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Um, Flatiron Window Well Covers. The website is flatironwellcovers.com. You can email us at info at flatironwellcovers.com. And our phone number is 720-251-9955. Or you can find us on Facebook, uh, Flatiron Well Covers. That's great. That is great. Well, I'm glad that you somehow Googled and found one of our blogs and then and I'm glad that you've been using that and that's helping educate other people. And then I'm just glad that you emailed us and told us like, Hey, good, nice blog. I use this. Like we were totally blown away when you sent that to us. Um, like we hope that people consume our content and read our blogs. But then when we like actually get feedback of somebody that's like outside of our little circle of like, it's nobody that works for us. No, nobody that we do work for not family. It's like somebody totally a stranger is reading it and thinks that it's good information and help. And then spreading that we are just really, really happy to hear that. So well, I appreciate that. I love, I love that blog post. So I've, there've been times I've been like, so if there's any possibility you can send me a PDF of that, that'd be amazing. Um, because I would laminate it and put it in my display books when I talk to people. Um, yes, with of no course problem. all the credits to you guys. Do you, um, so do you, do you have people ship things into you or do you primarily do local work as well? Um, it's both. I would say it's probably 
close to 50-50 now between local work and stuff that gets shipped in and shipped out. And, and the stuff that comes in that's, that's um, being shipped in and shipped out, are they large pieces or are they, are they large quantities of smaller pieces for manufacturers? Typically, you know, what? yeah. Yeah, usually. And they could be large parts as well, but it's usually um significant amount of quantity or like a certain amount every single week or every two weeks and the project lasts for a long time. Well, that's great. I mean, that's repeat business. That's one of the flaws in my business is once people use me, they don't need me for a really long time. We just need to think of some accessories that they can also get for. I've... Yeah, I can tell you I'm too old to climb in an auto wells and get and clean them out. Well, I, mean, I don't like, want to do that. But can't they, like, <laughs> can they all, do you, like, if I needed a ladder for my window well, is that something that yeah. can come or prepaid yeah, and absolutely. stuff like that too? So, you yeah. Um, and, the, you know, another thing I do with people is if I can, um, and they were like, we need to cover these, but that all at once is, to, I'll do one at a time or um, I'll come back and do, you know, more, more wells later. If we can cover the main one in your backyard, it's a whole, you know, just be customer friendly and it, it seems to work itself out. I just, I appreciate you guys calling me so much and reaching back out. I, I, li- I had, I was, I think I wrote I, the day that I emailed you guys, I had, you know, heard back from somebody that something I had done, something I had posted, it was probably about the patios. Um, and was just so appreciative that I took the time to put it out there. I wanted to pay that forward because it is nice to know that the work we put in, it sometimes seems like it's, what am I going to, what's my content going to be for this week? What am I going to talk about again is, um, is appreciated. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for taking the time to get on a call with us and and talk about your business. And I I was curious to hear about how you utilize social media. You, you use it a little bit differently than we do. Um, but I, I, that's good. That's I, we can learn from that because we typically don't do anything in groups or we don't think about real localized. We're more just like post organically, or we may run an ad. Um, but we usually do like a broad sweeping area. Um, well, in the spring, after all the wind, all that snow comes through Nebraska, post out there that if anybody needs help with their furniture, we yeah. already covered that, right? Well, you know, just, hey, what, what can we help you with? And you'd be surprised. Just be prepared to answer all those messages right away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard part. They come in. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Okay. Well, hopefully we get to connect, okay. connect again sometime. We'll be watching um, your content and, and seeing what you're doing and what you're up to. And um, hopefully we can stay in touch. Yes, absolutely. Likewise. I'll be watching you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Okay. So that was our call with Andrea. That was really great to get to know her, um, a fellow small business owner. We connected through social media. Um, so that was great. It gives us, us at Kayser encouragement to keep writing blogs because people out there that we don't know that are strangers, they are reading them and they are getting value. I did like how she talked about that even when she gets a customer that contacts her that she knows that she can't help because they're you know, from across the United States and she kind of just tries to focus on the Colorado area. Um, was she calling it the front range? Is that what she was calling it, Chloe? Colorado yes. front range. Um, mm-hmm. but, she, but she was saying that she always tries to answer every email and every phone call and even if 
They're not going to be one of her customers. She tries to help them and give them the information that they need to get the service done correct and well. And I feel like we try to do that um, through our social media. I probably could do a better job in like hand-to-hand combat when I'm like answer, when I'm talking to somebody on the phone or an email um, when I don't want to do something or it's outside of what we want our scope. I could probably do a better job on those individualized communications of making sure that the customer understands what they need to get or what they need to be asking for from another supplier. Um, so I liked hearing that from her and it made something click in my head that I need to do a better job of that. Um, but speaking of our social media, we can, we have some comments that we were going to talk about from a post. Yeah. So I posted a reel recently in which you were talking about the Teflon inserts in the game of powder coating gun um, and how you know when it's time to replace them because they do need to be replaced eventually. And we had a couple good comments on that one um, that I thought might be worth talking about. The first one comes from Metal Revival and they asked, can the filters be cleaned with compressed air instead of replaced? So the Teflon insert that goes into the um, pump on the, the whole powder coating unit. That's not a filter. So I'm not sure what he was referencing or maybe I didn't make it clear enough in the video, but it's actually, it's an insert that powder flows through and we call it Teflon insert because it's made out of Teflon. And so that piece is a wear part and powder runs through it and wears the inside of it out. And that piece like helps create the Venturi effect to pull powder up through the pickup tube and out of the box when you're spraying out of a box feed and that and it gets the powder down the line so as you spray powder on that through that day in and day out it wears on the inside and wears on the inside and then that's changing the amount of powder flow that's coming through the hose and out the end of the gun so if you never replace that eventually it would wear all the way through and have a hole in it um but even before that, it's just going to be, you're going to lose consistency from the powder that's coming out of the end of the gun. You have your settings set a certain way. You're kind of expecting a certain amount of powder to be coming out. And so you're, you're expecting to build a certain amount of film thickness. But if that insert is wearing, that's going to change over time. So you can't just blow them out and reuse it because it's literally designed to wear and you have to put a new one in to get back to like your standard base teflon insert and so it really depends on how much powder you're spraying through it if you only spray one job every day you might be able to get a whole year out of one quite frankly but if you have someone that's spraying powder or you're on the trigger for almost eight hours every day or 16 hours or 24 hours if you're doing three shifts then that's going to expedite the wear essentially going to make it happen faster so um you kind of have to decide for yourself when to replace it and you know look at it after a week or two weeks or a month or two months and kind of start comparing it to a brand new one the used one to a brand new one with the little gauge that you can get or comes with them and then you can get a feel for like okay it takes 30 days before i that we're noticing that this is actually worn or maybe it's three days. I, you know, it shouldn't probably be that fast, but I could see where if you were running 24 hours a day 
five days a week that you might have to replace them weekly in terms of like a box feed unit. If it's like an automated line where you can spray even more powder because it's literally when the system's on, powder is flowing through it, then that could be a couple times a week or once a week that they'd be replacing the inserts on those. Are they expensive? Uh, everything that goes to the brand name powder coating guns are expensive. So, right. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah. I would say they are. Okay. They are. Um, there was another comment on that same video from Palmer's powders. And they said, if your gun is spitting or won't feed properly, that's usually the main culprit in my opinion. Crazy to me. The majority of this industry looks past the pump inserts. Yeah, I agree. If you're having weird powder problems coming out of the end of the gun you you got to trace it back and that's one of the parts that's a wear part and an obvious part that comes in and out so that's one of the first things that you should try to replace to see if that fixes your problem because it's directly related to the powder flow like that's what it's there for is to um, get powder to flow through the system so that makes sense I've been doing this two years and I'm still learning stuff. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's just the Could truth. always be learning, but it's a bad thing because I haven't been doing a good enough job of explaining things, obviously. Or, you know. I'm also just not interacting with very many powder guns. <laughs> yeah, I know, that. but but it's <laughs> like maybe I should have made content about powder guns sooner. I don't know. You know what I mean? So interesting. Well, that wraps up episode 27 of KaiserCast. And we still, I think, are going to be continuing to roll forward with quite a few guests. We, might, we have a couple weeks that are off, but... Um, still have quite a few people scheduled so we're just going to keep on rolling um if you got any questions or comments or insight whether it's positive or negative comment on one of our socials or comment on wherever you're listening to this podcast and we will talk to you next week <laughs>